Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you today? I'm loving life. Micah, how are you? I'm doing great. I can... For the listener, if you don't know, you cannot wipe a smile off of Josiah's face. Like, if you can't hear the joy in his in his voice, well, there's definitely always a smile on his face. So, Josiah, we are so thrilled to be here today, and I don't want to take any more of their time on the, the guest side. So, Josiah, would you be willing to share who our special guest is, what we're going to be talking about, and just kick us off? For sure. I feel like we are the happiest people in the world, and we... I ask Micah all the time, can you believe we get to do this? Can you believe that our guest <laughs> said yes? Can you, like, how do we get to do this? So I haven't said that on air before. We're now in season four. So we hope that you enjoy this podcast as much as we enjoy making it for you. And today, we just mm-hmm. want to say a special thanks for tuning in to Young Adults Today podcast. We're joined by an awesome special guest, one of Micah's favorite authors. Mm-hmm. I admire this guy greatly. His name is Pastor Ben. Stewart Ben is the pastor of Passion City Church, Washington, D.C. campus. And prior to joining Passion City Church, Ben served for 11 years as the executive director of Breakaway Ministries, a weekly Bible study attended by thousands of college students on the campus of Texas A&M University. Ben earned his master's degree in historical theology from DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, And he and his wife, Donna, live to inspire and equip people to walk with God for a lifetime. Come on, somebody. (laughs) So they live in the district, which is D.C., with their three kids, Anna, Sparrow, and Owen. And Ben, I just want to say thanks so much for joining us. My fun comment to start us off on a great note is we had Timothy Atik from Breakaway, current director. He was on in episode 26. And even though we're from Minnesota, we're proud Gopher fans, row the boat, praise the <laughs> um, We also are called by Timothy Atik, honorary Aggies. So do with that what you will, but welcome to wow. the show. Wow. Okay. Farmer's fight, man. That's pretty cool. Well, hey, it's good to be here. Y'all, y'all hang with good company. I uh, saw you had Nick Brandt and Timothy Atik. Y'all, y'all run with a good crowd. Yes, so I'm, I'm glad to jump in. Well, again, thanks, Ben. And can you just kick off for those who heard of you or maybe heard you on a podcast, listened to a sermon, read your book, um, would you just share like some of your story and then your journey of life, faith, leadership, family, and ministry with, uh, with us today? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, I'll try to give the, the fast through that and we can get into specific questions too. But yeah, man. So um you know, I grew up, uh, I'm a Texan man, born and raised, grew up in Houston. I would say, honestly, God saved me when I was probably around five. You know, in um, my mom uh, would take us to church, and I heard the, the book with no words. A woman sat and showed me just the simple wow. gospel, and I believed it, you know. And, um, you know, after my parents divorced, uh, junior high was a rough ride, high school there was a campus ministry that really took an interest in me and my friends. And I would say God did some good foundational work in my heart in high school. 
And then it accelerated in college. I had a crisis of faith, early college. Do I believe any of this is real? Is it real just because mom said it is? And went through all this stuff, but it forced me to get very real with God, really honest with him. And I had no idea, you know, I went to Texas A&M, which is an agricultural and mechanical school, but it was a vibrant, alive school spiritually. And God helped me connect with some mentors, man, that changed my life. And so I rolled out of there really on fire that I want to serve the Lord with my life, you know? And so I didn't know what that meant right out of college. My plan was to wander the earth in search of adventure, but um, (laughs) there was a guy planting a church. I'd never even heard that language. He's planting a church, invited me to come on. I mean, our, my office was the spare bedroom in his apartment, but I watched this guy, an amazing leader, plant a really healthy, vibrant church. And I got to build a youth ministry from scratch. It was just so challenging, so incredible, so hard. And uh, left under great circumstances to go to seminary and learn and went back and preached there for 14 years, just still deep friends. But that was the season I met Donna. We met on stage. Her band was leading worship while I was teaching. And Love we it. did two years of seminary. I was traveling the country at that point speaking, which I did not love because I missed discipleship. I missed mentoring. And so I was like, Lord, what am I going to do? And out of the blue, my mentor at Texas A&M called and said, will you take over Breakaway? And I said, absolutely not. Uh, it was so hard to leave my youth ministry to go to seminary. I'm not leaving midway through, but I would go preach at Breakaway to fill in for him. And it was in this ratty gym that has been torn down since good riddance but it would be packed with college students and they would come down front afterwards and i remember one kid you could still smell the alcohol on him he was like i i need what y'all have i need god and i just was like god is moving here and i'd be crazy to not be a part of it so i moved there with my wife we led it for 11 years it took about that long to finish seminary i was on the slow train and we could have done it forever, man. We loved it. And it was, you know, long story short, I'll wrap this up. But, you know, I, I got to know Louis Giglio uh, and the passion movement in that whole season. He was a mentor and a friend. And he had pitched to me, I want to see passion city churches around the country and hinge cities. And when he told me that, I was like, good luck, man. That sounds great. I'll pray for you because I was happy doing what I was doing. But, but then he came around a few years later and was like, I want you to guide it. And long story really short. Don and I were in a season of life where it felt like it was time to be a pastor. So we jumped on with passion, flew around the country for six months, visiting strategic cities all over the country, praying over all these cities, had no intention of moving to Washington, D.C., but saw a city that was filled with young, educated, motivated, deeply lonely people. Mm-hmm. And our hearts, our hearts broke, man. So we moved up here and have loved it. It's been crazy. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done. It's been bananas. And we've absolutely loved it, man. Absolutely loved it. So uh, so that's the that's the fast drive-through, I guess, maybe. But here we are. Yes. But now we're in the district. For, yes. Thank you for sharing with our audience and with us just your journey in ministry. And we know that you are obviously a very passionate person to run at the caliber that you need to run at to lead like you need to lead and to just be in tune with what God has for you. And many of our listeners and visitors online, you know, they're in young adult ministry. And can you just talk about when you um, started college ministry? Like what was there, was there a pivotal moment that really like gravitated or grasped your heart for the college ministry itself? Yeah. You know, I would say 
Well, one, God had done such a powerful work in me in college. And then I was just arrested by what a powerful moment in life that is. You think your 20s, your brain is literally changing in your 20s. And so it's able to make connections you weren't able to make before physiologically. Mm -hmm. And it's for many people, their first time away from home. So they're figuring out now that I've switched context, what was a function of home or my friends in high school? And then what's a function of myself? So you're learning about yourself, learning about your family of origin. You're still statistically likely to meet the person you're going to marry. You're right. going to decide what career you want. And then you're processing who God is and what's wrong with me and how's it dealt with. And you're just at this massively incredible intersection with a ton of zeal and very little wisdom. And so I just <laughs> saw that and was like, man, that's an energizing group of people to intersect with the story of Jesus Christ because God has a story for them. And so I, I just, it was easy to get amped about that. I'm like, I like people that are moving. I don't like the idea of like kicking a horse to get it going. I want to just take the energy of the horses and aim it. And college students are moving. And I just like, this is an exciting place to be. So I never really envisioned, oh, I'll be a college minister, but I just wanted people to know Jesus. But when I got on the campus of A&M and saw the energy of what God was doing, I'm like, this is awesome. You can catch them at this age and aim them towards what matters most. That's worth giving your life to and loved it and still love it. Amen. <clears throat> that is our heartbeat 100%. And yeah, why behind this podcast exists, Ben, is just because we're known by Jesus. Mm -hmm. He knows us. Like we get to know him, that invitation. And then we get to make his name known among this generation, the next generation, coming generations. And our heart is so gripped because mm -hmm. of what God did in each of Micah's life, my mm -hmm. life, while we were college students. And just the investment that the previous generation has invested and impacted our lives with the gospel. Right. And we now want to pass that along to literally the next generation. Mm -hmm. And you know, we love young adult ministry within the local church. We love college ministry. And why we invited you to the show is because two reasons. One, I can't think of anyone more suited to talk about the topic of like singleness, dating, engagement, mm -hmm. which we'll get into in a bit. But also like we watch online every week in addition to our home mm -hmm. local church here in Minneapolis. We're a part of the online ministry of Passion City mm -hmm. Church. And cool. we just... We, we could not admire more what God's doing through you, through Pastor Louie. And so you spent over a decade as the director of Breakaway. Can you share maybe a few highlights of your time there at, you know, A&M? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I would say, wow. You know what's funny, man, is every highlight probably starts with what felt like a total tragedy or crisis, you know? When I first got there, I took the job and I remember um, getting the financial statements and I saw how much money we owed like in bills and I saw how much money we had and the bills number was way bigger than the funds number. You were in so red. I called, <laughs> yeah, we were definitely in the red. And so I <laughs> called the former director and was like, Hey man, like, is this normal? And he was like, no, I would say that's historic, like historically bad, you know? And I, I remember it hit me. I was like, why did I not ask this in the interview? Like I literally just moved my wife like, and I became the captain of the Titanic. Like this was a huge mistake. 
And I just like freaked out because like I didn't know any sugar daddies that had money and I had no connections and I didn't know what I was doing. I was in my 20s. And I was like, dude, this is a mess. And I remember sitting with our college leaders and I was like, you just got to be real with them. I'm like, hey guys, breakaway mm, might be ending this month. And they were like, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, have you heard of fasting? We're going to all go without food for a while. You know, and literally I was like, I got, we got nothing but to beg God to move. And, and it was really so great right at the outset. Our prayer was, God, you will keep breakaways live as long as you want to. When it's useful to you, it will live. When it's not useful, you kill it. And then we saw the biggest month of donations in breakaway history that month. Wow. But I just think the Lord did that to me to show me, you're mine, this ministry's mine. You're not building a temple to your own brilliance. This is my house. And it was just so freeing for me to go, this is the Lord's and I serve him. I'm not trying to build my platform or build my whatever. I'm trying to serve him. And then, you know, we would use on-campus facilities. And not long after that, you know, um, the facility that we use, the basketball arena, came to us and said, hey, we got to triple your rent. And I was like, what? Like, we have no money. And then I was just like, here it is. This is where Breakaway fails. I'm a cautionary tale. You know, just would kind of freak out. And we realized we have to go somewhere else. We have to figure something else out. And it was in that crisis, we were literally just praying over a map of the campus and it was literally like we had never seen it before. Like, wait a minute, what is this huge green space in the middle of the campus? It's a drill field for the Corps cadets. What if we just met in the dead center of campus? Hmm. And, and we had just never thought about that. But I had a mentor say it once, when you break a pattern, you open a door of possibility. And we wow. were just in a pattern. But when God broke it, we were like, let's try it. We set up a stage. You could hear worship from miles. We were getting texts from people that live in the neighboring town. I can hear every word you're singing. We had people come in from all over the campus. It was by far the largest breakaway we had ever done. And we never would have done it if God didn't like swerve into our lane and mess us up. We would have never been open to what he, that he wanted to do more. And so I just think, you know, to answer your question shortly, God just grows our faith through crisis. And he did that with me over and over again at breakaway. And, you know, I could go on and on about seeing students' lives change and, and them have to take up faith in every one of those moments was so inspiring. But just knowing we serve the Lord and we're His, I just am grateful He taught me that in a million ways to break away. Man. Wow. Yeah. And we know that breakthrough happens when we do fast and we are on our knees and we are in prayer and we, and we want what God has in exchange for our own plans. And I think that what an amazing opportunity for you guys just to take advantage of that field and witness probably to tens and thousands or dozens of people across the way yeah. saying, where is that music coming from? What, what is this? Yeah. And to create a buzz and a stir in the hearts of the stranger walking by intrigued. You're yeah. like, they lean into yeah. like, what is going on over there? And in our campus, they're currently actually working on a project to make a huge courtyard. Granted, we live in Minnesota, so it's good for maybe eh, three months out of the year. But I yeah. mean, even just that, can my mind like, what if we met during our welcome week in the middle of the campus yeah. where they're renovating this X amount of dollar project? Like, that's fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, and you know what's cool is at the in the basketball arena and there our team strived for excellence and the school ended up using our plans to do, now they do concerts and events and they just use our playbook. They literally on their files, it's called like the breakaway playbook, you know, and just so that we've been able to be symbiotically helpful with the campus. And wow. TA is continuing to do that in such amazing ways too and advancing 
from what I've done. It's just cool to see you can be a blessing in a million ways if you're faithful. You know? That's amazing. I love the word even just break, break away because there are many individuals who could be listening today that want to break away from singleness and step into <laughs> dating, engagement, and marriage. And hopefully they don't get to marriage and hopefully they don't want to break away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then you wrote, honestly, one of my favorite books. I love the topic of purity and relationships and the statistics and research and finding that you had um, put in your book, Single, Dating, Engaged, Married, Navigating Love or Life Plus Love in the Modern Age. I actually bought this at a pa passion conference and I read it on Ooh. the plane. I'm a slower reader, but when I cruise through this, I'm like, everything's highlighted and Josiah and I just got married and he still did not understand why I marked up every single book. Like he's like pristine condition. I'm like, dude, no, you got to read this yeah. book. So Ben, I, I want to go there with you with this yeah. book because obviously this is a huge passion point yeah. um, for anybody leaving the home. Like you said, they're moving out. They're getting roommates. They're in constant transition. There is, there's lust, there's love, there's desires, there's hormones, there's decisions, good and bad that are going to put them on a road of um, beauty or success in God's eyes and his will, or take them down a devastating journey of re like redemption has to happen. Healing has to happen. And yeah. Um, for those of uh, our listeners who are single and maybe wanting to be married someday, what can they do today that their future self and their future spouse will thank them for later? Oh, man, that's a great question. You know, I, I say um, two things, you know, Paul, both from the apostle Paul, who was single. Uh, the first one was, he said, um, to young Timothy, who was even younger and single, he said, watch your life and your doctrine closely, persevere in this, because in doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. So he's telling young Timothy, he's like, hey man, be a student of what you believe. Like use this single season to really know God better than you know him, and be a good student of yourself and be a student of you, because you're going to need self-awareness to have healthy human interaction. So he's telling wow. Timothy, be, be, be attentive to the Lord and be attentive to you. Where do you struggle? What are your insecurities? Get some people around you that can help you see him. He says, persevere in that because you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Hearers meaning people that you influence. So he's like, the more knowledge of God and self-knowledge you can have, the better you're going to be as you intersect with other human beings. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, use your singleness. And there's the other quote, like Paul said to the Corinthians that it's to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. Just get really good at being close to the Lord because the closer you are to him, the more you're like him. And the more you like him, the more it will be pleasurable to be around you mm -hmm. because Jesus was honest. You never had to worry about him lying to you. Jesus was gracious. You never had to worry, will he ever forgive me? You know, he is what everyone would want in a spouse in terms of the manifestation of his character. And so, I would just say the best thing you can do for your husband and wife is get to know your maker really, really well, because you won't get that relationship with a guy or girl right until you get that relationship with God right. You really won't. You'll just make a mess of it. So that's that so, would be my you, encouragement. That's lovely. And you actually wrote about that in your book. You actually use the terminology maker. And Ben, I'm looking at the book right now, and I'd highlighted this three-fourths of the pages in bright yellow. <laughs> and there's some sure. stars and there's a lot of stuff going on on my behalf on here. But I want to share with the audience, maybe that you can elaborate on this. And you talk about 
how Paul stated, and these are your words as I read aside from the Bible, obviously, in verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 7 that says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. He continued in verse 34, the unmarried woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. So let me ask you the critical questions. This is your question you're posing. Does this define your singleness? And you go on to write, if this does not define your singleness, then you are doing singleness wrong. And the reason why what really hits me is a paragraph after that, you had you have said, if you're frustrated or bitter in your singleness, and maybe because you are missing the point of why you are single, it is like playing basketball without a ball. Crazy. And you know what I mean? And, and that hit me because I know for me, when I was in my early 20s, until I got married at age 30, there was a season where I was very bitter and I was very angry and very frustrated by the fact of looking around at all my friends, godly and ungodly, getting a gift of marriage. Now, whether that gift became a curse for some of them or a gift truly became a blessing from the Lord, um, I saw both of that happen. So I became to be very thankful for God not answering some very selfish prayers <laughs> early on yeah. while praying for my future spouse. Can you just share like how do we, as the listener, if you're single, maybe dating or maybe even engaged, how do you work through prior to your marriage, prior to maybe even dating or putting a ring on it, working through that frustration or that bitterness or wherever you want to go there? Does that make sense? Can you like just yeah. encourage the listener who's just like, dude, I'm called to ministry. How can I do it alone? I need a spouse. And to yeah. not settle in the process, I think is key, but I want to, if you be willing to go off script there. I'd love to hear your insight. Yeah. You know, I think one thing is I never want to shame anybody for having that longing because it's right. good. It's, it's not wrong to long to be married. Um, you know, when God brought Eve to Adam, he said, at last, this is bone <laughs> of my bone. There was a sense of like, oh, finally. And so, it, and that was pre-fall. So it's not wrong to long. And I never want someone to feel bad about that. I do think it's unhealthy to assume God owes me a spouse. That's, that's beyond, he doesn't owe us anything, you know? Uh, and so I always wanted to protect my heart from that. But I think trusting God enough to say, if I can trust you with my eternal salvation, I can trust you with this longing. I got to give it to you. Good. Then what you discover is, you know, what Viktor Frankl said about the meaning of life. You know, he said, people could survive. The, the ones that survived Nazi concentration camps were the ones who had a sense of meaning. Because that really is the, the greatest longing in a human heart is for intimacy and impact. Those are the two longings. I want intimacy. I want to be known. I want to be careful. I want to be loved. And then I want impact. I want a life that has purpose and meaning and reason. And what I find in singleness is people don't know the point. And that's why it gets so frustrating, so discouraging. I'm just supposed to like go to another day party, hang out with this other person, go to another dinner. What am I even doing here? Make some money, I guess. Pursue a career. Will it make me happy? It hasn't seemed to be working for these guys. But for me, when I was single and discovered, no, God has purpose for this. And I can go to bed every night knowing I fulfilled the purpose, not just of Ben's life, but of singleness. Like singleness has a purpose and I can fulfill that. That was so satisfying. I was just like, man, I didn't realize how impactful that was for me. And I remember for me, you know, it was 26, 27, when that dawned on me, it was the first time anyone ever asked me to speak anywhere. And it was at a singles ministry. And they're like, what do you want to talk about? I was like, I'm going to talk about singleness. And the guy's like, don't do it. I'm like, what do you mean don't do it? And he was like, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear you talk about it. They're all bitter about it, angry about it. Don't bring it up. And I was like, no, man, 
I want to talk about God's given us a beautiful purpose for singleness. The wow. season. Trust. Yeah. And, and I want to leverage all the benefits of the season before it closes because it will close, mm-hmm. but it has some benefits and I want to leverage them. And that message resonated with people. And for me, it was the first time of going, Hey, I think this is a thing. I think, I think people long for meaning and they maybe don't even realize that's a deep, deep longing mm-hmm. and your singleness has purpose. You grab that. That's pretty motivating. Right. That is unbelievably spot on. Ben, I, I just really appreciate the kind of the two lanes or two directions. It's almost like two sides of a highway or a byway. One's going one direction and it's aimless. Mm-hmm. So many people are in the stratosphere of aimless. Mm-hmm. And the other, yeah. the other path that is an invitation is the invitation to an intentional purpose-filled pursuit of purity, mm-hmm. of passion, of Christ. And, yeah. you know, <clears throat> I just think that People, like you said, at a singles ministry or in college, in young adult ministry, if we don't talk about it at the church or at a young adult ministry, Mm -hmm. they're going to learn about it on Netflix and they're going to binge watch whatever scenes they want. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to, what they're going to do is they're going to like, okay, if we don't put it on our podcasts, they're going to go on whatever apps they want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think that like this aimless side is one choice. And this intentional side is the other. And like, as leaders, I pray that we get the call and we pick up the mantle from you really to like, we need to lean in and double down on this and not just allow people to just go aimless because Christ is intentional. Paul was intentional. Mm -hmm. Timothy was intentional. And so in your book, the thing that stood out to me is you talk about four distinct seasons Mm -hmm. and we're from Minnesota. There's four distinct seasons here. <laughs> it's, That's great. We love it. We love Minnesota. No, winter and construction. There's two seasons. <laughs> we love four seasons. And, you know, you talk about each season has a purpose, Ben. Like singleness yeah. has a purpose. Dating serves a purpose. Engagement and marriage each have a purpose. Right. Could you dive into like a 30,000 foot overview of maybe like each one of those seasons and the purposes they serve? Yeah, man. hundred percent. Yeah. So singleness, if I could distill into a word, you know, singleness, I would say exists for devotion. That's the word. And I get that from Paul as he was talking about his singleness, you know, he said, uh, I wish you were like me unmarried he Said not to, not to put a noose around your neck, not to hurt you, but to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. So for me, that was so liberating as a single person. My job is to get good at my primary relationship, to be devoted to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I used it to be attentive to his word and to his work. Let me leverage all this free time to get to know him really well. And even today, man, people ask me, um, man, you seem to have this grasp of scripture in these categories this way. How did you do it? Did seminary teach you that? I'm like, no, it was lingering long with the Lord in my singleness, man. Mm -hmm. That's really where all these seeds were planted. Uh, and then dating, I would say, exists for evaluation, which that's where you get some pushback in Christian circles. They're like, well, dating's not a biblical concept. And that's true. You don't see anybody dating in the Bible, but you see evaluating all over it. And especially in the wisdom literature, like Proverbs, you know, it's saying it's better to live on the corner of a roof than in a house with a quarrelsome wife. Like, that's not written to the married guy who already picked the wrong girl. That's written to the single person saying like, hey, man, watch this girl. Like, is she always got drama with her roommates? Is she always in some fight with someone on social media? Then you're not going to have peace in your home, man. 
And it says, hey, a guy without self-control is like a city without walls. You go, lady, watch his life. It, does he have no rein on his impulses? Is he completely given over to whatever lust is in his life? You'll never feel safe with him. So the Bible's constantly calling you in Proverbs to evaluate this other person before you link up your life. So I found that most people look at dating like a, a status to sit in. They're like, I guess I'm single, so I'm watching TV, going hmm. to work, bop, bop, bop. Oh, you're hot. I guess we're supposed to fool around. I don't know. And there's just an aimlessness to it. You go, right. no, it's not a status to sit in for years and years and years. Actually, data's coming out of this generation. That, that's it's really hurting each other emotionally to linger in a nebulous, undefined space. It's bad weird just evaluating in life or not because engagement is ultimately about union or merging our lives merging our families merging our finances and which ultimately leads to marriage which i would suggest marriage is not just looking into one another's eyes to find meaning but it's linking hands and saying we're running together and the purposes god has for us you know we we really only get one marriage to look into in the new testament and it's priscilla and aquila whose entire marriage was on mission that's the word i'd use for marriage man they, it was just the two of them linked hands making a massive difference for the church in its birth and so my wife and i are the happiest we've ever been the most connected and close and intimate we've ever been and it's because our lives are on mission together you know we we sit and talk for hours, even now, just so far into marriage, because it's endlessly interesting when you're both running after the same goal together. Different gifts, different ways to earn an income, but same passion, same goal for the glory of God. And you get someone that you're lockstep in the biggest issues of life, we're on a mission together, man, that's when it just is fun. You don't yeah. run out of stuff, you know? Right. I think Josiah and I experienced that. We just had a conversation the other night and we're like, how do we get to do this? Like, how do we get to do what God's called us to do and love it so much? You know what I mean? And to love each other and yeah. to grow. And granted this month we've only been married for three years, but it's like so much can happen right. in three years. And, and the intimacy begins with singleness, intimacy with God, intimacy um, in conversation, you know, when the time is right um, to have those challenging conversations of dating, putting a label on it, being engaged and still guarding your heart and then becoming married and experiencing a deeper level of intimacy. And that is obviously sex. And a lot of people, they squirm at that thought or it's such a, a, a word of taboo right. or they talk so openly about it. There's like no shame. And what do yeah. you wish? This is a question that Josiah and I have. What do you wish that every young adult knew about sex just in general or anything along those lines? Oh gosh. Yeah. One thing. Um, Maybe you have a couple. You I would, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, you know, sex is one thought is it is deeply about union. And I think in our culture today, there was such a pressure and really it was back into the 60s, 70s, 80s, a pressure to divorce sex from emotional intimacy and the commingling of our lives and our relationships and our thoughts and a separating of it. But physiologically that doesn't work, you know? And so now studies are out where you're like, Hey man, 
sex doesn't just release dopamine, which is the happy chemicals, and that's fun. It also releases oxytocin, the hormones that promote bonding, like a totally. mom with a child. And that's where you go, okay, we're discovering chemically what Paul told us in scripture. Like, hey, if you're sleeping around, you're hurting you. You're doing violence against your own body. You're not meant to have a complete donation of your body while simultaneously trying to hold back your emotional life because this person may not be safe. Right. That's a tragedy. And um, I think for me, it was confusing when I was young because it was always like, don't have sex. Why? Just because you're not supposed to. But I think when you realize you're like, no, God gave you this gift where you're supposed to say, I trust you with my life, mm -hmm. with my heart. You don't just want parts of me you can use. You want all of me. That safety of the covenant of marriage allows for a radical donation of body mm -hmm. and soul together. It's powerful. So I think people sometimes think Christianity is trying to diminish sex. And you go, no, Christianity is helping you see sex is so powerful and it's a powerful gift god's given us for union i'm binding myself with somebody and when you try to make it a casual physical interaction you're actually doing violence against your own soul you're just not mm -hmm. built to do that and you won't be happy that way christian or non-christian you will not be happy you're not you're not built to relate that way right and we know that what happens in singleness whatever decisions we make, if we don't deal with them in a healthy way in singleness, we bring that baggage into 100%. those, that marriage. And yeah. that becomes a wedge that the enemy loves to put between a couple before they're even married and becomes an, a playground. You give that enemy an inch, he will take a mile and just do a work on your marriage and just, you know, destroy anything that God is desiring to do. And, um, yeah, I just love the yeah. fact that you had said it's a union. It's bringing two people together so they are truly one. And the visual that I uh, can't remember who told me this, but they're like, "Okay, Micah, you like to bake, and you know, you know, you know how to separate eggs. You know, like you take out the yolk and then you have the whites. Now you scramble them together, and if you have to, after you scramble them together, can you separate them? The answer is no. And that's where that's where you talk about you're physically connecting with them you're emotionally spiritually physiologically yeah. like all those different components come together and i think that the sanctity of marriage um has maybe not been expressed or demonstrated in the best possible way it's like no it's dirty it's nasty just don't do it till you're married okay save myself yeah. for something yeah. like that for someone i love like just the terminology <laughs> we've heard throughout the, like you said throughout all that time yeah. it's like yikes let's yeah. can we have a better approach to that but yeah you, you know and donna fritas did a great um study of college campuses and about the hookup culture just casual sex and in all of her interviews she just she was stunned by the heartache and loneliness and hurt and so she said the line i never forgot it she said this is a form of suffering mm. Just when she studied these college kids, she's like, she's like, they're suffering from this. This this casual sex mentality has hurt young people. And uh, so that's where, for me, it comes from a compassionate place, not a judgmental one. So I want something better for you, you know? We love that. We, we want what's best for each other. We want what's best for every young adult. And that's what yeah. Jesus came so that we could have a life mm -hmm. to the fullest, to the most abundance. And I think that's why we would recommend for every leader listening, like pick up the book, Single, Dating, Engaged, Married. You'll be glad you did. You can, you can thank Ben. You can thank us later for the recommendation. But Ben, one thing we'd love to do um, is yeah, kind of close on a rapid fire note. We do something called five, 
thoughts, um, five questions in five minutes. So it's called the five and five. Are you up for a fun challenge today? Yeah, let's go. Man. Okay. Let's do it. Question one, you can pick any three words from any language, but if you could describe Ben Stewart to the listener they in three words, what would they be? <laughs> uh, servant of God. <laughs> that works. That's three, right? That's awesome. That's three. You got it. Okay, second question. Um, marriage can be healthy. What does it take to have a strong, healthy marriage? Oh, a strong, healthy marriage. I would say uh, humility and communication are the first two words that come to mind. I got to have the humility to say when I'm wrong, to listen, and I got to communicate uh, how I think and how I feel. I love it. Okay, flipping the script here for a second. If you could ask Micah and I one question today, it could be anything. What would you like to ask us today? Oh, man. Well, uh, just how's this working for you? Doing a podcast as a married couple? Like, that's an interesting intersection of worlds. I'd be curious how that was working for you. It is a blast. Um, you know, okay. we have seen, Ben, God's hand of favor mm -hmm. on this project as much if not more than any other project either of us has worked on as he being me or she as a we together mm -hmm. like i we just can't describe it it's just like there's such a need i think in our generation or in the church for topics of young adult ministry and just mm -hmm. championing the cause so a conference was launched at it it happened the day before coronavirus outbreak at the mall of america <laughs> so i mean and it happened so i mean it's there's there's a move of God happening, so we love it. We can't believe we get to do it. Yeah, I think the fun thing cool. to recognize that as a married couple, like you need to understand that we're both pastors, we're both called to ministry, we're on the same team, we're wearing the same jersey, but we have different skill sets, we have different um, spiritual gifts, we have different approaches, different leadership styles. And one visual that I always yeah. share with everybody is to understand that you think of like a bike where, where there's like our ministry or the things that God's asked us to steward is this bike and each of us represent a pedal and we need to be in constant cadence with each other. If one's trying to slam on the brakes and the other's trying to move forward, like that's like what we have to work through and we get to work through. So it's been such a joy to discover and call out greatness in, in each other and lovingly approach each other in a sense of, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. What are your thoughts? And to be, on the same page, on the same team, and to, like you said, to be humble and to communicate to each other, I think I've been two things, but we absolutely love it. We feel like God's hand of favor is upon it. It may look like maybe not many people are doing what yeah. we do or doing how we do it, but there's only one Josiah and there's only one Micah and there's only one us as a family. So I think nobody should be comparing themselves to each other and to know that if God said it, he'll do it and he's asked us to do it, then we need to steward it. So that was the number four, right? That was number three. That was number so two. Now, wow. Yeah. Back to you, Ben, with number four. Okay. All right. All how, do right. We, how do we do, by the way? Satisfactory Ooh. answer? It's a great answer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's taking notes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, All right, ben, it was. No. Question four. If you um, were to share something that God is downloading to you recently, what has he been speaking? Oh, um... I would say it's the um, the power of lament, being willing to weep with those who weep, 
You know, Jeremiah said that the hurt of my, the daughters of my people is my hurt. And that's what motivated the prophet. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. Jesus said it. He had compassion on the crowds. And so he taught them many things. Um, Paul in the body. If one suffers, we all suffer. Yeah. I'm just realizing there's a great cathartic power for people. If you can weep with them, suffer with them, hold their hand in the pain. I, I, that, that's something that's becoming more and more. I'm realizing how powerful that is to, to weep with those who weep. It's amazing. And I look at this. It's not super upbeat, but it's true. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I look at the state of our world today, Ben, it's like, you hit it spot on the mm. gift of togetherness, the gift right. of we, the gift of just somebody believing in you. It's like two thirds of young adults, Barna says, don't know that somebody believes in them. Somebody cares for them. So if we right. can, as totally. college pastors, be with the people in our ministry, be with the people in our community, um, lament with them. Mm. I love it. And we, we booked this interview, by the way, back in January, we're recording it in June, and I'm so thrilled you said yes. This is our fifth and final question, and this is what I've been dying to ask you, if, <laughs> because you have such a heart for young leaders, college pastors, young adult ministry leaders. So if you could tell a room of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders anything, what charge or declaration would you lead with them today? Oh, yeah, man. Well, you know, you said it earlier. I so I quit my first ministry job like a month into it because I just freaked out. I just realized there's so many things to do. I don't know if I can do them. I don't know if I can win. And I just freaked out. I ended up unquitting like two days later. But I just was like, Lord, how do you win? Like, what do I do? And, and the beautiful simplicity came to me in that time of Ben Stewart exists to know God and make him know. It's, let me distill it to that simple. And that actually was how I would build out my calendar every day. It's like, well, if that's what I'm made to do, then my mind is most active and alert in the mornings. I'm going to get to know God every morning. And I prioritized, I would write out books in the Bible. Mm. And then I'm going to make him known. And early in ministry, that looked like Taco Bell with my punk kids, you know, with safety pins sticking out of their bodies. And, and I would share the gospel with them. And then later it became putting a mic on and speaking to people and but it can also mean sitting with my neighbor who lost her husband. And, but I'm always evaluating, am I excelling at the revealed things, doing what God built me to do? And it's really often, it's just as simple as, am I getting to know him every day? And then am I making him known every day? If I'm doing that, then I'm in the right game. So I just encourage you, don't lose heart, uh, but keep it simple. That's an outstanding declaration, outstanding charge. And Ben, we just want to say thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, man. Well, it's great to be with you guys. All the best to y'all. Oh, thank you. You as well. And if you are listening and you want to learn more about Ben Stewart, single, dating, engaged, married, as well as Passion City Church, Washington, D.C. campus, you can find out more when you connect with us on our website, which is youngadults.today, or across social medias is just the little at handle, youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Micah Keneally with Ben Stewart signing off. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.